This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right, very good. Well, we're going to go ahead and get into our Wednesday evening message. Yeah, all right, we got some excitement. That's good. Hey, I like that. That's good. Have a little excitement about the Word of God. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, tonight's title is this. Your faith is not going to work without love. Let's talk about this for a minute. I think we I think we need to have a discussion on love because this topic applies to every person ever. If you're a person, you I mean, we all have struggled sometimes loving other people the way that the Bible says to. Now, a lot of us are like, I love people. Yeah, but you do it your way, not the Bible way. And that's where you get wrong because you define love in your own terms. And that can be really screwed up because some people's definition of love is just messed up. You know what I mean? Like, I love them. That's why I tell them off every day and yell at them. That's not love. You think that's and so we're going to look at what the Bible says is love and we'll see how we're stacking up to that. But you do have to know this, that your faith does not work without love. And we're talking about the God kind of love, not the definition that you made up in your mind. All right. And so when I worked at the fried chicken restaurant, OK, I'm just going to go. Pastor Dave's going to break into story mode. It's, it's coming on me. So I was I was back in Indiana this week for a few days. And uh, I'm, I mean, I'm from a little hillbilly town. You got to know that. And there's people walking around in overalls and stuff like that. It's great. I love it. It's, it's awesome. But there's a, the best chicken restaurant in the world is in my little hick town. And I used to work there. And 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 when my job, actually, as I got promoted, OK, to, to five dollars an hour, five dollars an hour. Um, I got promoted to being the marinator and I would marinate the chicken. And it was a beautiful process. And, and so I'm marinating uh, uh, gizzards and livers and, and chicken and stuff like that. And it's awesome. But we had this one spice for the chicken. And they never told me what it was because the one old hillbilly that came up with the recipe, he swore, was swore to the grave that he would never tell anybody until he died and then the recipe could be released. I have no idea what it was, but I would put this spice in this giant tub and if you were to open the barrel of the spices that he mixed together, smell was so strong. It wasn't bad, but there, it was just so strong that you would start choking. And I, I'm so serious. Like it was, I have no idea what it was and it's healthy. I mean, I, I ate there all the time. I never died. So it, it, it was healthy, but there was something, wh- whatever it was, people from everywhere came to eat our chicken. And the secret was this one ingredient. And I don't know what it was, but I put it in there every day. And a lot of people, you know, I knew a lot of the different ingredients, uh, you know, I'm, that, that they were labeled and stuff, but I just didn't know this one. And this was the main thing. And what I'm getting at is this. A lot of people, they know a lot of different aspects and angles and ingredients of the faith. They know a lot of different uh, important things and key elements of getting their prayers answered. But there's one ingredient that's more important than any of the rest. And a lot of people are, they're like, well, I, I don't know what it is. Well, let me tell you what it is. It's love. It's love. I mean, a lot of people, everybody knows you need to have faith to get your prayers answered. Duh. Everyone knows that. I don't even need to preach on that right now. Because we, you get that much, okay? And you know that it's, you're relying on the power of God. You get that much. But what a lot of people just don't seem to get is that 
love is the key ingredient to having a successful prayer life. And so let's look at a few things here tonight. The first thing we're going to say is this. Number one, faith works by love. Now you're like, well, that sounds cute. It's not only cute, it's actually in the Bible. Galatians 5, 6 in the King James says this. Let's go there. Let's go to Galatians 5, 6 tonight. I can't pass the ball and catch it too. You got to receive this, okay? I'm going to dish it up. You got to receive. I'm just passing tonight, all right? Galatians 5, 6. Let's get this together. Galatians 5, 6 in the King James. And, and I mean, I've, my dad's taught me this verse my whole life. It says, for in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything or uncircumcision, but faith, which worketh by love. It says, Circumcision, that's not what matters right now. What matters is this, is your faith, and it works by love. Faith works by love. It's spelled out right there. And so let me tell you this. If you are walking in unforgiveness, I mean, this is is a dead giveaway. Sometimes people are like, I don't know why my prayers don't get answered. Well, how many people are you holding bitterness against? Well... That's your answer right there, because a lot of people, they've got bitterness against, I mean, people from and they're so used. They have grown so accustomed to their unforgiveness. They've grown so used to having their bitterness around. They don't even realize it anymore. That's just part of their life. It moved in. It has a bedroom at their house. They feed it. They tuck it in at night. Bitterness and unforgiveness is just a part of their life. And some people and maybe it's you, you, you can answer this. I can't answer this for you, but you are so used and so accustomed to people that you have grudges against that you just don't like that you don't even realize it anymore. It's just a part of your life. And, and, and so you're sitting there, there's nobody I hate, but really for a lot of people, they're just so used to it that they don't even think about it anymore. And even worse than that, you may even, and I said this a while back, but you may even have people that you're holding unforgiveness against and they're people you don't even know people you've never even met. Like, like politicians that came to me one day, like, I know a lot of people that are struggling in their prayer life and, and, and the answer is obvious. They hate presidents that they've never even met because of policies they made. They hate governors. They, they hate celebrities. Some people get mad at athletes and hate athletes. I know people that I'm not one of them, but there is an athlete I really don't like. But at the same time, pray he retires really soon. But anyway. There's, uh, I mean, there's people, I, I hate that guy, man. If I saw him on the street, I'd give him peace. And then you're going to sit there and pray for God to give you a promotion on the job, but you hate a man you've never even met? Come on. How stupid is that? That's very stupid. We need to get a hold of this, man. It's so fundamental. It's so elementary. Yet this right here is the thing that is causing most Christians to trip and not get answers to their prayers. Faith works by love. And I can tell you this much. The stupidest thing that a Christian can do is try to get retaliation against somebody that's wronged them. Yeah. It's true. I mean, there's so many Christians that, that I mean, they, they love the Lord, right? They're, they, at least they say that. But, it, but on the same, on the other hand, they're going out there and they're thinking about ways, oh man, I'll give him a piece. I will get him back. If it takes me to the day I die, I'm going to get mine. And they're, th- they're plotting ways to get revenge. Revenge is not something that we practice on this planet, right? Toy Story? Come on. Like revenge, that's not, a, that's not something that we do here if you're a Christian. Because God said, vengeance is the Lord's. 
And you're going to try to take vengeance into your hands? You're trying to do God's job. And I'm not saying that you should be rooting for and saying, oh, Lord, you pay him back and I want you to hit him double, man. Give it to him hard. Take him out, Lord. You just I know you can do it. You've got more power than anybody. You could really get him. That's not what I'm saying. But at the same time, if somebody has truthfully wronged you, you just got to hey, Lord, I'm going to I'm going to take that off of me. I'm going to put that in your hands. That's you, Lord. You just that's yours. I forgive them. But you have to realize that as a Christian, we don't practice retaliation we we don't get revenge against other human beings we pray for them and there's a lot of people i don't trust anymore but i don't lay awake at night thinking of how i'm going to get back at somebody there's nobody in this world that i need to go meet out back in the alley or there's nobody in this world that i need to send nasty emails to or or threaten them over the internet like a real winner i mean if you're threatening people over the internet you're about as dumb as it gets but anyway Yo, good Lord, we'll cast it out of you tonight. Tonight's your night for deliverance, folks. But I'm telling you right now that as a Christian, your faith works by love. And if you're plotting revenge and retaliation and then, oh, you're going to tell them off, stop, just quit. Either that or just give up on your prayers because they're not getting answered. If If you'd rather have retaliation than prayers answered, then by all means, stay the course, brother. You're on the right road. But if, if if retaliation and revenge means that much to you, then, hey, go ahead and sacrifice your prayer life over it. You're doing good. First Corinthians 13. Yeah, so you can tell this is just this is going over like a lead balloon. This. Wow. Um, so we talked a little bit ago about how sometimes we love people, but it's in our own way. Now, I got to tell you, there's the Bible clearly outlines what the biblical way is to love other people, what God's way of loving them is. And so let's look at the biblical definition, 1 Corinthians 13. And a lot of you know this. You've got it on your refrigerators and on T-shirts and little little bumper stickers, and it's cute. But you've got to really live by it, okay? We can't, just, we can't just put it on a refrigerator and say, hey, man, that's my favorite verse. You've got to actually do what it says. So 1 Corinthians 13. And I'm talking to me tonight, too. I'm talking to all of us. First Corinthians 13, verse four in the Amplified Classic. It says, love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over jealousy. It's not boastful, vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. So it's not conceited. I mean, if you're conceited and you're arrogant, you're not a very loving person. Anyway, uh, it is not conceited, arrogant and inflated with pride. It is not rude. Do you know that the love of God has manners? That's something that came alive to me one day. The love of God is not rude. So I believe the love of God says please and thank you. It, 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 uh, it holds doors for people. It treats other people with just common manners that so many have lost in our society. But the love of God is not rude. Just mull that one over for what it's worth. Maybe you should work on your manners a little bit. <clears throat> wow. This is rougher than I thought. Okay. It is not rude and does not act unbecomingly. I know people that act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. 
It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Are you are you getting this in you tonight? This is the God kind of love. This isn't my definition. This isn't your definition. This is God's definition of love. It's not touchy. It's not fretful. I, I mean, I know really touchy people. And they're like, well, I don't yell at people, so I, I walk in love. I don't cuss people out. That's fine, but there's more to love than just that. If you're real touchy and you get easily offended and, and you're a little snowflake and, you, and I mean, and just everything causes you to have a little meltdown. Listen, you don't have the God kind of love in you. And I mean, maybe you've never approached it from this angle, but the God kind of love is not touchy. It's not easily offended. It's not every time somebody says something you disagree with, you get offended and have a blow up and a meltdown and you go into hiding and isolation because people don't agree with you and that hurts your feelings. Listen, that's where we're at. It's 2018. People are so sensitive. Has anyone else seen this? People are sensitive, way, 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 way too sensitive. And I'm telling you, why is that? Well, you could say, well, it's because, you know, they weren't held as a child. Well, that could be, or maybe no one told them they loved them. But it's also because they obviously don't have the God kind of love operating in their life. Because the God kind of love is not touchy, fretful, or resentful. You look up earlier in the verse, it does not insist on its own rights or its own way. You mean you're not going to do it my way? I'm offended. You don't have the God kind of love in you. All right. Let's keep going here. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. And so the God kind of love, it's rejoicing when justice is served, when right and truth prevail. Verse 7, love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. Now that's where, I mean, that, that alone right there is where God's love and human love are, could not be farther apart. Because it says it, it's always believing the best of every person. Human nature believes the worst of every person. He said this, but I know what he really meant. He meant he doesn't like me. He meant he doesn't like my cooking. He meant that I'm a bad employee. He meant this. I know what he really meant. He, he said this, but I know what he really meant. Grow up. Don't act like that. That's childish. That's stupid. That's why you don't get your prayers answered, because you always believe the worst of every person. I saw the way he looked at me. I know what he meant by that look. He didn't even say good morning. What's up with this guy? You know, and, and, and to make it even worse, most of us don't know how to talk on phones anymore, and it's more dangerous when you text because you have no idea what their tone of voice was in that. You know what I mean? No smiley face? What's wrong with this guy? Great, now he's saying he hates me. Now, she wants a divorce. There was not, not even an emoji in that entire text. What's up with this? And so, human love, human nature... It believe, it jumps to conclusions all the time, and it believes the worst of every person, every situation. It's always jumping to conclusions because you didn't think that it should have sounded that way. But the God kind of love, it's not like that. It says it believes the best of every person. And so I challenge you, 
You know how much it would change your life if you just got this one tiny aspect of this whole thing? If you were a person that believed the best about every other person you came across? Maybe someone does say something rude. You know what? He probably didn't even actually mean it that way. Everyone else is like, yeah, he did. I heard what he said. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he's going through a rough season in his life. What if you acted like that instead of saying, I heard what he said. I will get him back. Oh, you just wait. I'm going to get mine. Oh, I'm going to get it. Listen, if you would take it from the aspect that 1 Corinthians 13 says, and you're like, you know what? I'm just going to let that go. I, I believe that he truly didn't mean it to come out that way. Not only would your faith start working, do you realize how much happier you would be in life if you didn't think everybody was out to get you? You know how great it is to, to, to live like that? I mean, I've lived both sides of this. I've lived, well, I saw the way he looked. I heard what she said. I, I saw that. I, I saw this over here. And I'm telling you, that's a miserable way to live your life. And I know a whole lot of people that they're just hanging on every word that people that don't like them say. Oh, I can't wait to see what she says next. Oh, and, and, and they're, they're just hanging on every word. Why would you do that? Do you realize the power that you give other people over your life? You let people you don't even like control your entire day. Someone you say you don't even like can completely just blow up your entire day. And you're giving them that power. When you choose to believe the best about every other person, your life is so happy and joyful. I love it, man. And I'm not perfect in this area, but I'm a lot better at this than I used to be. And I can tell you what, man, you're looking at a guy right here that loves life. I love life. I've got the joy of the Lord, and I'm not afraid to say that. I'm not walking in the fullness of every area of Christianity that I want to be, but I'm a pretty joyful dude. And I really enjoy life. I love my wife, my kids, my church. I just love being alive. And big part of that is because I don't sit there and, 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 and think that everyone's out to get me and that, you know, well, she probably meant this. In fact, sometimes, you know, I'm probably trusting to a fault, like when I let my neighbor's house get robbed in broad daylight. But anyway, I shouldn't have done that. Should have gone with my instincts. But anyway, I, was, I offered the thieves uh, some water and a meal. But yeah, anyway, so maybe I should, that, but stuff like that. But that's a true story. But, you know, at the same time, Hey, I was happy. They were happy. They were taking their stuff and all this. But when you choose to believe the best about every person, I'm telling you what, man, your life is full of the joy of the Lord. Uh, let's skip down here. It says it believes the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. Say that. Love never fails. And so... If, if, if I'm going to make mistakes in life, if I'm going to err in my judgment, I would much rather err on the side of being too loving. I, I don't think I'm going to get to heaven and God's going to say, I just need to talk to you right now. You were way too nice down there. You were way too loving. You forgave everybody. What's wrong with you? You were so loving and kind. That's messed up. That's not, that conversation will not happen. And, and man, sometimes being a loving, nice, kind person can get you taken advantage of. I, I would, I'm, you know, I would rather deal with that bridge than the road of bitterness and rage and hatred and anger and misery and everyone, everyone's out to get everybody. Every, everybody, this whole thing is just a setup. And I would, I would so much rather occasionally get taken advantage of for being too loving and nice than living a miserable life full of bitterness and unforgiveness. That is the worst possible 
I mean, I don't even want to think about how miserable that life is because I used to live it. And I'm telling you, I wouldn't go back to that for anything. I hate unforgiveness. I hate being a bitter person. That's the worst feeling in the world. But the love of God, when you will let that come into your life right here, man, first Corinthians 13, eight love never fails. And so all I know is this. If I am presented in any situation, whether it be at work, at home, at church, around town, whatever it is, whatever it is, if I'm presented with the choice of loving and forgiving the other person, loving my neighbor as myself, believing the best of them, or choosing the other path of rudeness, bitterness, whatever, love never fails. I, it really means that. Love seriously never fails. I know this much. If I go with the love angle to any situation, I will always overcome every situation because love simply does not fail. Why does love not fail? Well, the answer is in 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8. It says, God is love. There it is right there. God is love. And so if God never, who thinks that God fails at least occasionally? Show of hands. No. Okay. Well, if God never fails, then it's just logical that love is never going to fail. Right? Because if I'm loving on God's terms, the way that God says to, I can never possibly fail. All right. Let's move on to number two here. I think we're getting somewhere. Number two, you need to forgive before you pray. Before I pray? Well, I wanted to pray for all the things that I want first and then talk about forgiveness. Well, I think we should talk about forgiveness before we get to the whole praying for the things that you would like. Uh, let's go to Mark chapter 11, verse 25. Mark 11, verse 25. Now, who in here has kids? Okay, good. Uh, has there ever been a time where your kids knew that there was a great surprise or a treat or a reward in store later on down the line? Like, hey, we're going to do this this weekend, but listen, you're going to have to get some work done throughout the week before we actually go and do this. And a lot of times they're like, well, let's go do that first and then I'll come back and do the work. Okay. Well, that's what a lot of us are like when we're saying, God, I need a thousand dollars by Friday. Have you forgiven that person? Let's talk about that after Friday. I just need to get, cut me the check. I'll take the check right now. Cash, small bills is fine. I don't care. I'm not picky, but just, just get it to me, Lord. Just bring it in, Jesus. And that's what it's like whenever we're praying for all these things we need, but you don't want to talk about forgiveness. We need to talk about forgiveness. And you need to forgive before you start praying. Mark 11, verse 25 says, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. And so it says right there, anything. So is that saying 75, 80, 90? Anything is a pretty uh, set in stone type of a word. That means 100% of whatever it is we're talking about. So anything against who? Anyone. That pretty much, well, that means everyone. Anyone means everyone. And everyone means anyone. It says right here, if you have anything against anyone, you've got to let that go. You've got to forgive them of that before you stand in prayer for something and then your father in heaven he'll forgive your trespasses and then we'll get onto the mountain moving faith that mark 11 23 and 24 talks about and so we have got to get this really i mean a lot of us we mentally acknowledge this 
And that's where I'm concerned about some of us is that we, we hear this. We see these verses and we're like, hey, man, I get that. That's that's the absolute truth. I, I agree with that. You can't just agree with it up here. You have to actually get this in your heart. The word in your head is nice and that's good. But it's the word that gets into your heart that'll change your life. And so I'm telling you tonight, don't just read these verses and say, I know that, man. Everybody knows that. And I agree with that. Don't just agree with it in your head. You need to get this in your heart right now, especially if you need your faith to work for something in your life. If you are praying for something right now, you really, really need to get this going. All right. And so another problem that I see is a lot of people, they'll justify their unforgiveness. Like, well, listen, I I get it, man. It does say that. And I agree with that. But this person really, really crossed the line. And hey, I get that. Some of us, some of you have really truthfully, you've been wronged. The other person was way in the wrong. It is their fault. They totally did you wrong. But I can't escape the fact that this says anything against anyone. If it didn't say that, then I'd be like, you know what? You do. You if anybody has a right to hold on to it, it's you. I think God will understand in your special circumstance because you really had it bad, worse than most people. So you're probably in the exception for this, but there's no loophole. Anything against anyone. I didn't write it. I'm just reading it. But these are the words of Jesus. Jesus actually said this. These are words in red we're talking about right here. Jesus Christ said anything against anyone. And he, he didn't say except for this. Or except for, or maybe I could see if you hold on to it in this area. He just said, if you've got anything against anyone, you've got to let that go before you stand in prayer for something. And so, hey, if you've got beef with that, you can talk to him about it. But I can promise you this much, he is not changing what he wrote. There's not going to be an, an edited version of the Bible. The two, you know what? We had to make an edit because uh, Norma, she just she didn't agree with verse 25. So we're going to switch that out, and we've created a loophole just just for this certain. It's not going to work that way. It's set in stone. The Word of God doesn't change because it's already perfect, and we are far from it. If anything needs to change, it's me. It's not the Word of God. All right, let's keep going here. Uh, let's look at Matthew chapter five. We're hitting you in your heart tonight. Punching you in the heart part. Amen. You know, one thing I liked about my my boss when I worked down there, front chicken, my boss. Now, he was a real hillbilly. Uh, Jesse's been down there. He's seen these people that I speak of. It's the real deal. They pick up dead deer off the side of the road and take them home for dinner. Possums and raccoons. Yes, that's. We make stew out of those. It's great. And turtles. We eat turtles. But anyway, so so my guy, though, my boss, okay, one thing that I really liked about him, and he was actually my neighbor that lived across the street. And so on most summer days, I could see him riding around on a lawnmower without a shirt on. I can't explain it. But anyway, uh, but my boss, he he had this to say to me one day. He comes in and and with his he had a real, real accent, he's like, now, Dave, let me tell you something. Get over here. And he starts talking to me. He's like, I would never ask you to do something that I myself would not be willing to do. And I was like, whoa, that is so deep. Because it's true. He, literally, he wouldn't ask me to do something that he would not be willing to do, right? I mean, if he needed me to climb up on the roof and do something, he would be willing to do it before I would. If he needed me to go, you know, fix that or do it, any job, he was willing and he would do it. He was not going to ask me to do something 
that he was not willing to do. Now, a lot of us, we look at, you know, well, Jesus said to forgive anyone. Well, that was easy. Everybody loved him. He was Jesus. Who could he possibly have to forgive? Are you kidding me? Jesus had a lot more people to forgive than you have to forgive. And so, Jesus' dying breath, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And you're sitting here saying, oh, he can't tell me to forgive those that have, that have trespassed against me. That's not fair. Oh, it's fair. And he's not asking you to do something that he wouldn't do. He forgave those that sinned against him. He forgave me when I sinned against him. And I'm, I'm just going to venture that you've sinned against him, too, at some point. I'm not... I'm not pointing fingers, but perhaps you have. And he forgives you. So Jesus is not asking you to do something that he's not willing to do. He's willing and he does walk in forgiveness. But let's look at this. Matthew 5, 23 through 24. It says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift. What's strange about that verse is it's not saying if you have something against your brother, you go out and fix it. It's saying if you're there to worship and and you're bringing your gifts to the Lord and your brother has something against you. It's on you to go and try to reconcile that situation. Why is it my fault? He's the one that's mad. That doesn't make any sense. But we're not talking about love as you define it. We're talking about love the way that God defines love. And he's saying, if you're here worshiping and you're here giving your offering and and your sacrifices to the Lord, but you know that your brother or your sister has something against you, it says, you just drop that right there. Come back to it. But you go and make amends and reconciliation with this individual, even if they're the one that's mad, if they're the one that's upset. It's on you as the Christian to go the extra mile, to turn the other cheek, to go and make things right. Now, that doesn't sound fair at all. But one thing that I found out about the God kind of love, it's usually not fair. Right? And so, as mature Christians, that's another word that we've pretty much got to get rid of. Fair. God didn't say that you everything's going to be fair. God didn't say, it's only fair that if, if they do this to you, it's fair that if you do it back to them. That was the old covenant. And I'm telling you what, you want to live in the new covenant. It's a whole lot better than the old covenant. So if you want to go back there, then get your goats out and get ready for some sacrifice because that's how it is. But if you want to walk under the new covenant with these blessings, he says to us, listen, it's not fair. You, It's on you. You go and reconcile. You go and make things right, even if it wasn't your fault. That's a pretty big thing to do. But I'm telling you, I like the results of what happens when I do things God's way. Let's get to number three tonight, and that's this. Love is how the world can tell that you're saved. That's how the world around us can tell that we're Christians. And so let's go ahead. I, I, man, I, I brought scripture to back this one up too. John 13, verse 35. Let's turn over there. John 13, verse 35. You ready? Thank you for your thunderous, I mean, wow. Jesus heard that one. He's excited. Thank you, Ilya. I suspect that you'll all be this excited at the National Day of Prayer tomorrow night since you will be there, right? All right. Thank you. 
John 13, verse 35. I went to a wonderful church on Sunday. Wonderful, wonderful church. But it's not a spirit-filled church. And my Lord, it was so silent. Wow. And my kids are Pentecostal kids. They can't help it, dude. They say things. They do things. I remember one time we went to this little country church when Joel was a little kid. And, you know, everyone's, you know, like, holy, holy, holy. And that's good stuff, man. I love it. Awesome. But my my kids, like, (laughs) getting out there, like, what's wrong with these people? Why don't they... Dude, we're, you know what? I, I like a loud church, but John 13, verse 35, Jesus said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, why didn't he say everyone will know you're my disciples if you just go tell them? He didn't say that. He said, everyone will know that you are my disciples indeed if you will build the nicest, most immaculate, fancy church building in the entire community that you live in. Then they'll really know you're a Christian if you have a really nice building. No, that doesn't, that doesn't prove to them. They'll really know it if you can do this. If you, if you have the best job, if you have the most money, then they'll really know you're a Christian. You'll really, they'll, they'll know you're my disciple if you've got the most stuff. They'll really know it then. That's nice. I'm not against that, but... That's not what Jesus said. He said, your love for one another is what proves to the world that you're a disciple of Jesus. And so somebody should see how you respond to conflict, how you respond to crisis, the way that you respond to being treated wrongly. People should be able to look at that and say, oh, they must be a Christian because there's no way somebody could be that nice when somebody is yelling at them. They have to be a Christian, right? But how many times, you know what, we'll just, we've all been there, but how many times has your response and your reaction to something, it wasn't, it wouldn't have told anybody that you were a disciple of Jesus. They probably thought you were a disciple of the devil or something because you, you responded really, really bad. We've all done it. None of us are perfect. But how many times, just think about standing in line at the store, saying that somebody cuts you off or God forbid they're in the express lane with 13 items. Oh Lord, oh. They're over there and they've got 13. I counted them. And here we are. They're only supposed to have 12. But they have the audacity to get into that line with 13, 14, 15 items. Now, check it out. I know some people that they, they couldn't possibly let that go. And do you think that's telling people that guy must be a Christian because he called me on my 13 item? He, he must be a disciple of Jesus. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, your love for one another. And 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 I'll say that we need to love everybody, but really, most importantly, is your love for other Christians. And you're like, well, it makes sense that I should be nicest to the sinners. And you should be very nice to sinners. But the Bible specifically talks about how you treat other Christians who are your brothers and sisters. Let's quickly here, because we are running out of time, quickly, let's look over here at Galatians 6.10. Yeah, who's having a good time? Fair enough. Galatians 6.10. And so you need to be nice and loving to everybody. I need to be nice and loving to everybody. But you really, really need to be nice and loving to other Christians. Because Jesus said your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciple. He was talking to the disciples right there. They were Christians. They were followers of Jesus. He didn't say that to a group of sinners. Now, if all you sinners are just love each other, everyone will know you're my disciple. 
wouldn't make any sense. They're not disciples anyway. And so Galatians 6, verse 10, it says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, but especially to those in the family of faith. Now, I should do good to everybody. You know, I mean, I should be nice and helpful to everybody, but I should especially be good and helpful and loving to those that are in the family of faith. Well, why is this? I'm just going to put this last verse out there. First John 4. Let's go over there. First John 4. And this, this is just, you got to get this. Because a lot of people are like, well, I love God. I just hate that guy. I love Jesus, but I can't stand this dude. Liar. You're a liar. If you hate another human being, then you don't love God. You're a liar if you say you do. And I'm not, I'm not, this isn't me. This is just the word of God. But first John four twenty through 21, John writes, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person's a liar. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Why? For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God who we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. So I just challenge us with this tonight that we've said it, but your faith, it it works by love. If you're praying for things and you need a miracle from God in your life, you at this point, the most vital thing that you've got to get a hold of is you need to get some love in your heart and some forgiveness working in your spirit like tonight, pronto, immediately, because nothing else is going to work until then. And especially examine your heart against your fellow believers. Don't say, you know, you, again, you're a liar if you say that you just you're so in love with Jesus, but you just hate one of his children. That doesn't work. I mean, I don't care how much you say you like me and love me. If you're giving one of my kids a hard time, I don't like you. I'm not going to do something for you. You come in and like beat up, come in and smack my kids around. Hey, could you do me a favor and uh, just could you could you get me some money? Nope. Not not going to do it. Uh, you know what, man, you're. I can't stand your kids. They're ugly. But hey, tell you what, uh, no one would say that about my kids, right? <laughs> but anyway, but but I'm saying if you insult my kids and you hate my kids, but you love me and want to get me to do things for you, it's not happening. You are not on good terms with me. And that's the same way it is with the Heavenly Father. You hate His kids. You hate His children. Even if they're not perfect like you are. But you hate them and you treat them wrong. And, 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 and all this stuff. And, and, and your fellow church members. And you're mean to them. Listen. At that point, you're not on good terms with the Father right now. Because that's His son. That's His daughter. Your husband is God's son. You should be nice to Him. Your wife is God's daughter. That's his little girl. You ought to be nice to her. Your own children. Parents, we should be nice to them. Because they're our kids, but they're also God's kids. And he does care how we treat his kids, even if they're our kids. Especially if we've dedicated those kids to God. They belong to him or they belong to you. Amen? All right, I better shut up. It's 8 o'clock. But faith works by love. Amen? Let's stand up together tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.